Welcome to episode 84 of Drew's Sports Crew here on this Monday afternoon. Yes, high noon. Here we are live 1201 now, but went live here on a noon on this Monday afternoon. And look, we got a lot to talk about here in the world of sports. You know, this is the most we've had to talk about in a long time because Packers is going on, right? As we know, this point lost yesterday. The Milwaukee Bucks kicked their season off this week, so we'll be doing a little Bucks preview. You know, I'll be, you know, the Brewer Prediction Challenge. We'll have the Milwaukee Bucks Prediction Challenge Week One starting, of course, this week. And I didn't forget. I know the high school football playoffs. That'll be probably the first thing here we'll be talking about as they are here. We're going to talk kind of about Week Nine. Uh, we'll we'll highlight the bracket a lot. I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking down the bracket today. I want to focus more about like the matchups in level in level one, I believe is how we word it now. And also in week nine, talk about kind of how those went down, including, of course, the game of the year between Chilton and two rivers, the Raiders. Yes, we'll talk about that game. But otherwise, announcements. Look, this is a wild week for the sports crew. It seems like I say a lot, but this week is let me tell you so. Only two weeks, or only two episodes last week. Uh, so really, you know, not as much going on last week. But that was because basketball was kind of like, we we're going to do a fantasy basketball draft episode last week. Ended up being like, you know, what day works best? Tonight now is the day around 8.50 p.m. We will be live here on YouTube, Twitch. You know, go check out, of course, Drew Sports Crew on there. That's where you'll find a draft episode with some listeners. Yes, the podcast league, the 10-team basketball, fantasy basketball league on Sleeper is kicking off its draft. It's an inaugural league, too, first year of it. So that will be debuting here, 9 p.m. draft, 8.50 will be going live. Should be a good group of guests, Bernie Vanden Heuvel, Jared Valeski, Caden Youngbooth will be there, some listeners, those three also, some, some newcomers, Jack Tomey and Jacob Kelm, should be there for the draft. Should be a great time there. Thinking it'll be a little over an hour, probably, like a 70-minute kind of thing. So, looking forward to that. So, please go check that out. Also, Drew's basketball crew debuts tonight, too. Yeah, three episodes today. Uh, the basketball crew on being kind of like the baseball crew. There won't be, of course, like those stat cast numbers I love to employ It'll be more about, of course, matchups. We'll talk minutes. We'll talk. We'll kind of talk about lineups. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting approach, and it's weird for basketball too. We'll be looking at, of course, I mentioned injury reports, but it gets tough during the year when when games start picking up because with the just with the season. I mean, we see so many late minute scratches in in you know for lineups. So. That's something you can't even do an episode about, but I can still give you know, general general games I'm approaching, right? We'll talk about X team that allows, you know, X amount of points to this position in fantasy, right? So that'll still be there, there's still some strategy involved, still some matchups we'll be we'll be previewing there on the episode. But otherwise, that's kind of the main announcements for scheduling. Also, College Athlete Spotlight, we got an episode coming out tomorrow night. We'll be going live. Clay Taylor, yes, the Bucks believer. For you for you all who have been around since day one, you do know Clay Taylor. I'll tell you that. 
Uh, he'll be on tomorrow night talking about his journey. He'll be talking about running at the collegiate level. UWGB is the location he is running at. And look, he's he's done some great things, and I'm looking forward to him coming on to talk about those great things. But Wednesday then, so that's right, one, two, three, four is the College Athletes Spotlight. Episode five of the week. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Six around six o'clock ish. Expect the Journey to a Million crew featuring myself, Drew Skyberg, Zach Roush, and Jared Valeski will be there talking about this last week in football. And um, yeah, we, we like to do more of a general approach and then we'll kind of talk more about, of course, a preview for the next week and then also the fantasy player and team draft we like to do. Look, Zach's head has been growing by the week based on how he's performed, and it's it's getting a little out of hand, uh, I will admit, admit. And Jared, I think, finally had a bad week in fantasy, so he's finally humbling himself a little bit. He's getting he's getting humbled so far. So that was well, that was much needed, I should say. Otherwise, hats, right? Fifteen dollars a hat, please. You know, go check that out. That's at Drew Sports Crew. You see down below. You can check that out, and then. Of course, we have our link tree. It's back. It's finally back. If you were not, if you were not aware of what was going on Instagram and Facebook, the link tree was having problems. And after two months of getting it fixed or trying to get it fixed, I should say, it is finally fixed. It is up on the Instagram and Facebook. I am excited to finally have it back. And of course, it was at all. It was always on all other platforms, but now instead of having that Spotify link, you can have our link tree. It has everything, literally everything on it. So. If you need any, if you need Fantasia, which basketball contests are starting up and they're giving away some awesome stuff. So come join me on Fantasia with that link. Also, Thrive Fantasy, you know the drill. Begin your journey to million today with code J2M. You get some awesome stuff there. A match, they're up to $100 on your first deposit and then also some free entries as well. So go check out Thrive. And we are finally, after being six and a half minutes in the episode, I am finally talking about some sports. I know a lot of announcements for a lot of things going on this week. Six and a half minutes in. Here you go. The Eastern Wisconsin Conference wrapped up its regular season there on Friday, and we had some games. We had some great games, I should say. And I think I'm going to save the game of the year for last, but let's go to New Holstein to start as the Kiel Raiders, a little rivalry game, as we know. They squared off against the New Holstein Huskies there. We're going to at New Holstein. Kiel, New Holstein was the game. And look, Kiel did the, a great job in this game. They did what they needed to do against their rival. 34-0 was the final look. The story for the New Holstein Huskies this year was they cannot pass the ball. They could not. I mean, uh, it's as simple as that. Matt Steer, one for 17 with three interceptions. Their inability to pass the ball and relying on the run is what kind of made them you know, fall to where they were. And with that, I mean, it, it was quite noticeable in this game, right? Bryce handle 16 of 85, 5.3 yards an attempt for him. Mason Butte in that other one, 11 for 46, 4.2 an attempt for him. Noah Hausler, um, hauled in the lone reception for the Huskies receiving core one, one reception for 34 yards for him. Otherwise look, Connor Faust had himself a day here. Six for 12 for the Raiders, leading the way in passing with one touchdown thrown there. 
And then also on the ground. I mean, that's where you found him as well. Connor Faust, 14 of 123. Two rushing touchdowns there for Faust. Connor Reversi totals the other rushing touchdown there. Six for 19 was him with that rushing touchdown. On the receiving end, Grant Munns, two receptions, four yards, and a touchdown for him. No need to pass for them either. Just a run-heavy game. I'm sure this game got done fast. I do not have the time, though. But I can tell you, based on these numbers, it looks like it, it went fast. The three interceptions, Trey Bartz had one. Then we saw Harrison Zorn have another. And then Mason Fintelman had the last one there for the Raiders. Again, Keel wins this. They were in the playoffs. We'll talk about their matchup coming up. But they finished 5-2 and two in conference. 5-4 and four overall for the Raiders. A great bounce-back year from last year for Keel. Next game, let's go. Let's go to Valders. Wow. I mean, we talked about this last week. Um, brilliant dealing with a lot of injuries. I still thought they'd make it a game. All right? But I, I was like, hey, you never know. Valders, you know, last game of the year. Brilliant a lot of injuries. Maybe we could see some magic happen at Valders, and we sure did. Valders gets the job done. 40-14 to 14 was your final. Commanding one here for the Vikings to close out their year. And Look, we'll talk about it. They had, they were able to do whatever they wanted. Trey Schneider probably had his best game all season, best game of his career, I'd say, as well. 10 for 11, two touchdowns for him, or throwing the ball, and then on the ground, 11 for 77 with a rushing touchdown was Schneider. Had himself a day. Three combined touchdowns for him. Also, Elias Sparks having a great game here as a senior. I believe last game, 10 for 66 with a touchdown. Also, we had Caden Kish was 11 for 58 with a rushing touchdown. And then Matthew Welch, 8 for 26 with a rushing touchdown as well. Cole Hovey and Cody Coleman had their receiving touchdowns. Hovey was, had himself a day on the receiving end. Four for 84. Schneider's favorite target this whole year, and rightfully so. He's got definitely a first-teamer in my book, for sure. And then Coleman, of course, 2-for-13 there with that touchdown I mentioned as well. Elise Sparks on the receiving end, 4-for-35. So he combined it. He had 101 yards combined for, I believe, last game again. One sack then for them as well. Peyton Wallander got that sack. And then also, on then for... Brilliant on their side. So they put up 14 points. Joe Schimmick, four for seven with a passing touchdown. Dame Meyer, one for three with a passing touchdown. But what what was something for them was the receiving side. I mean, they had one reception for 62 yards with that touchdown. For that was for Bennett Olson. Spencer Gilbertson, four for 58 with a touchdown. So they only had two guys, only five guys in this game caught receptions. That's kind of something. So. Um, the rushing side I wanted to touch on though, was kind of, this is where Valor's won the game. I mean, I talked about the concern about Valor's on the run defense. How are they going to stop teams on the run? And they answered a lot of questions this game. They were able to make a lot of stops. They were able to hold guys, you know, in check. And that's, that's something you want to keep in mind. Damon Schmidt, 16 to 72. That's four and a half an attempt. Pretty good. But where they won it was, you know, some of these plays here for Ben Sharp, seven for 49, they won it with Bennett Olsen. They stopped him. Eight for six was Olsen. And then Joe Schimmick again, three for negative eight. So um, some, maybe some back year runs, maybe sacks. i not sure what they all count that for, but depends again who is scoring the game. But otherwise, there's also a sack for Brilliant. Alex Reddy had that sack for them. 
otherwise, you know, not a lot going on in the stats other than the, the ground game for, you know, for, for Valders and Brilliant, quite frankly. And then Valders had some big plays as well as Brilliant did. So it looked like this. I mean, Valders was up 28 nothing the second quarter. I mean, this was, it was a blowout, really. And then Brilliant was able to get a play go, make it 28 to eight at half. But then what happened was, it was Valders and Valders in the third quarter. So what happened was 40 to eight was your score into three. Brilliant tax on a touchdown in the fourth quarter. But yeah, but your score 40 to 14. Valders is victorious in their final week. And they go then to two and five in conference. They finish three and six overall is the Vikings. Let's go then to KLC and Ron Colley. This game shocked a lot of people, including myself. The Ron Colley Jets put up a fight. We'll talk about the Braden Reimer numbers too in this game, but look how it went. It was 14 nothing end of one Ron Colley was was up. They were up 14 nothing. KLC then puts up 24 points in the second quarter, and it was 24-14 at half. And then each school scores a touchdown in the third. However, KLC converts on a two-point conversion. Ron Colley gets an extra point, though. And then we see each school score a touchdown again, the fourth. KLC again gets that two-point conversion. Ron Colley misses the extra point, or they went for the, the two-point conversion. I don't have the scoring summary, so I can't tell you kind of how that went, but I can tell you the final. 40-27 was that. KLC survives Ron Colley at Ron Rubick Field. Now let's go to the stats. Let me tell you how Ron Colley got off to that lead. I look at the numbers, and I can tell you who was the story. Brain Reimer, 44 rushing attempts. Yes, you heard that right. Is that a record? I mean, is there maybe not a record? I, I don't know. I think, you know, that's got to be up there, at least for Ron Colley's history. But I would love to see if we can get a record on what that is. But 44 rushing attempts there for Ron Colley. And Brain Reimer had all 44, 223 yards he had. And he had 5.1 yards an attempt for four rushing touchdowns for him. Also, then it was Lana Halupni was 12 for 20 for the Jets. No interceptions, no touchdowns for him. On the receiving side for the Jets, 3 for 25 was Jensen Wedenkamp. Ian Lusk, 4 for 28. Owen Stockton, 5 for 41. Let's go to the KLC side here on for the passing. It was Max Breedenbach, 11 for 21. Two touchdowns to two interceptions for him. And then Noah Heinen. Yeah, you heard that. Noah Heinen had a 34-yard passing touchdown. He's had So he's had a receiving touchdown and a passing touchdown in this game. Definitely first team unanimous for Heinen. We'll see that. And then we also saw John Kakuzi, 22 of 124, 5.6 in attempt with a rushing touchdown. Breenbach also tacked down a rushing touchdown as well. Jalen Paul, then four for 76 with two receiving touchdowns as well. Certainly we'll see some conference recognition for Paul as well. But the main story was the defense here for some of these squads. I want to talk about Ron Cowley. I mean, they had two interceptions. I mean, defense... Again, it was a 40-27 game. So I'm not saying defense was the story, but there were some good defensive stats in this game as well. Sawyer Vandrissi of the Jets had two interceptions in this game. Ian Lusk had a forced fumble and a sack. And then we also saw a sack from John Kakuzi as well. So there you go. Those were your stats from this game. Again, KLC survives the Jets 40-27. to KLC moves to 3-4 on the year, 3-6 and overall. And then Roncalli fell to 0-7 in conference and 1-8 overall. I do see Roncalli's playing another game. So I, I gotta 
I don't have any information on, you know, if it's just they're just scheduled next regular season game because we've seen schools do this. I mean, this has happened years past. So would love to look into that more, but we'll preview that game when we get there. So let's go then to our final game. Did we get there? We sure did. The game of the year is what I like to call it. Two Rivers and Chilton. I had down there was three overtimes. I'm, I'm not seeing that on here, but that's kind of what I heard. I heard it was the three overtimes that went down to the wire, of course. And Chilton, again, could, or they were at a fourth down where they tried to convert and they failed. And that's, that was it. I mean, the two rivers, they won it there, but let's go, let's go through the game a little and then we'll get to go through stats and then we'll talk about my prediction and how it turned out. So Chilton um, and two rivers were scoreless end of one. Keep in mind, this game was at Chilton High School. It was at, they call it the Bowl, right? That's where it was. And what happened was Chilton, they shocked many, including myself. They jump out to a 14-0 lead. They get the first score, eight minutes in the second quarter. It was Max Miller getting a running, rushing touchdown there. And then Zach Halbach, a 44-yard rushing touchdown. It was 14-0. Tigers were up. And before half, you know, Two Rivers was like, we got to get to score. And no better person to go to than Chase Mathias. A 70-yard rushing touchdown for him. 14-7 was your halftime score, right? What happens then? No score in the third. Then, all of a sudden, we see points go up a plenty in the fourth. Mathias gets a rushing touchdown again. We see then it was 14-14. Chilton gets a rushing touchdown from Miller. 21-14. And then we see a passing touchdown. So it's 21-14. And a flea flicker is what I heard it was. A, a minute 53 left in the game. Uh, it was Klinkner to Phillips for a 55-yard touchdown. So those extra, those fancy plays getting, you know, those trick plays, I'll say, getting to Chilton is what it kind of sounded like that last touchdown was. 21-21 then. Uh, they get, they Chilton gets ball back. Two rivers forces overtime. That I'm not sure what quarter, you know, overtime. I thought it was when the three overtimes. I thought in the third overtime, I have the scoring plan. I can tell you what happened. It was a rushing touchdown from Chase Mathias, a 20-yard gain. And that that got it. It was a two-point conversion. Then they went through. Damien Gretz got that. So we saw then. We saw 29-21 was the score. And then Chilton gets the ball back. Chilton does not score. And that's your game. Two Rivers is your EWC champions of football there for 2022 my prediction last week i said two rivers wins it was either they're putting up 40 to 43 points in that range and chilton was putting up 20 to 23 so i had them winning by roughly you know roughly 20 points as you know we did not see that um again credit chilton for putting up you know a fantastic performance against two rivers they played them hard they played them well they played they played well to win the game quite frankly and that's that's what I've seen. That's what I, you know, I've heard. And looking through it, right? I mean, two river. It took three overtimes for two rivers to put up that extra touchdown. So again, maybe my forty to twenty, you know, roughly a twenty point outcome I predicted was, you know, maybe I was looking too much into two rivers. Maybe I know I mentioned like not to look into, you know, common opponents and stuff. But you know, you can never do that. I even said never to do it, and I still mentioned, you know, uh, how. Chilton lost to Winnebago Lutheran, I believe, at the start of the year. And Winnebago Lutheran beat a school or lost to a school at Valder's Beat. Basically, just kind of a web like that. Again, it was two weeks into the non con. So it's again, you can't like value 
that non-con games as much, but uh, certainly an excellent game. And again, credit Chilton for putting up an excellent fight. And the stats tell you that as well. Max Miller has a game of his life here. It was seven for 12. He was 103 yards passing. No touchdowns though for him passing, but on the ground, 19 to 66, two rushing touchdowns for him. He came up when it mattered most there in the fourth too. So credit it, credit him and at the start too as well. But also Zach Halbach, certainly a guy we'll see Halbach, Miller, and Gell for sure get some conference recognition. I guarantee you that. Halbach, 7 for 72 with a rushing touchdown. Miller, 19 of 66. I mentioned it, two rushing touchdowns for him. And Jared Gell, 22 of 60. There, no touchdowns for him. On the receiving side, it was Dalton Pash, 3 for 46. Halbach, 2 for 29. And then Ryan Pierquet. Two for 28. That's your Chilton offensive stats. Let's go over to two rivers. So they were less balanced than I thought they'd be. And Klinkner, of course, threw the ball more as they had more passing plays. They had more plays overall due to being three overtimes or something. Klinkner, nine for 20, one touchdown, one interception for him. Not a great game for him. Chase Mathai's threw a pass attempt in this game is what I'm seeing as well. Not sure what to value there, but where Klinkner Mathias came up most was on the ground. Klinkner 15 of 47 for him, 3.1 yards in attempt. Chase Mathias 22 attempts, 171 yards at 7.8 yards in attempt, and three rushing touchdowns for Mathias. Let's go to that passing side. It was balanced. You know, it was pretty balanced. It was not as balanced as you see two rivers do it in games, you know, where they they take control. They didn't take control this game. This was the first game all year where they really did not take control. And what happened was Austin Phillips was two for 96 with a receiving touchdown. And then it was, they Chilton did a great job against the pass. That, that's really what happened here. Brady Richards, one for 11. Matthias, three for six. And Elijah Mott, three for nine. So there you go. Those are your offensive stats in this game. Let's go. Let's look at some other stats. Brandon Hel- Hellman had the, or is that, oh, sorry. Brandon Hyman. Sorry, the font's really small on this. Brandon Hyman had that interception there for the Chilted Tigers. And then sacks-wise, we saw a sack from Grant Miller there for Chilton. And then Elijah Mott had a sack for the Two Rivers Raiders is what I'm seeing here. But otherwise, look, a wild game. It was, again, voted the game of the week by WSN. So that just shows you how great the game was anticipated to be. And it, it lived up to all expectations is how I worded. It lived up to the hype. And again, two rivers is your Eastern Wisconsin conference champion. So congrats again to the two rivers Raiders. Let's go through the final regular season stats here. Again, two rivers finishes at the regular season undefeated seven and zero in conference nine and zero overall Chilton again, puts up an incredible effort there against two rivers an incredible game. And they they played very well. They need to, you know, they need their name needs to be heard. They they played very, very well in that game. Six and one in conference, six and three overall is that's how it finished for the Chilton Tigers. Kiel, they go five and two in conference, five and four overall. The Brilliant Lions, three and four in conference, three and six overall. KLC, three and four in conference, three and six overall. New Holstein, the Huskies, two and five in conference, three and six overall. The Valors Vikings, 2-5 and five in conference, 3-6 and six overall. And rounding out, the Roncalli Jets, 0-7 in, in conference, 1-8 and eight overall. So those are your final standings. Again, New Holstein beat Valors head-to-head, so how it works, it was 
New Olstein, Balders, Ron Collier, your final three. And then that, that middle what ended up being Keel, Brilliant, and KLC. Those top two then, Two Rivers and Chilton. So those are your squads and your final standings report for the regular season. Let's give you your stat leaders. The passing yard crown goes to Justin Klinkner of Two Rivers. 2,033 yards is, I believe, how to read it. You know, it's, they wrote it, it's like two columns, two rows. It's weird. Okay, but it's 2,033 yards. Passing leads the conference. Max Breenbach of KLC. Yeah, KLC, of course, having someone leading in passing yards. No surprise there. 1,521 yards. So it goes two rivers, and that goes KLC for the passing yard leaders. You know, if you follow, have you, if you followed Eastern Wisconsin Conference sports for years, that wouldn't surprise you. You would, you would just say, okay, guy from two rivers, top three, pencil it in. Guy from KLC, pencil it in. Since KLC, of course, joined the conference a few years back. But Trey Schneider, then of Valders, makes the finish there at three, 907 yards there. Passing season there for Schneider. Let's go on the ground game. Brain, Brain Reimer is your rushing yard leader. He gets that crown there. 1,326 rushing yards will give him that crown. Yeah. And number two there would be Chase Mathias with 1,013 yards for Mathias. Again, that's with not a lot of volume. So, Brent Mathias on that performance and for this whole season, of course, and being involved in the passing game as well. Jared Gell finishes number three, 887 rushing yards for him. Okay, your receiving yard leader, it was not close at all. Noah Heinen takes that crown. 957, 957 was that receiving yard number. He wins that, wins it by over 400 yards. Cole Hovey finishing in second with 516 receiving yards. Then Jalen Paul finishes in third with 503 receiving yards. So we see two KLC guys sneak into the top three. Again, that doesn't surprise you with, again, we've talked about this whole year, two reverse balance in the passing game. And, I mean, a lot of the other schools just run the ball. So you'll see that's kind of what you would expect. And credit, again, Heinen, Hovey, and Paul there, top three in the receiving yard category. So there's your final stats report. There's your final standings report. Let's go to the playoffs. Let's talk about what's going on here in the world of the football playoffs and I guess let's first touch on this Green Bay West team. So this Green Bay West team, in case anyone's wondering, they play in the FRCC South. So, you know, big school. We're talking, do I have enrollment? I do have enrollment. They have 876 people. You're like, why in the world are the Ron Collie Jets facing them in some sort of exhibition game? What's going on? Considering Ron Collie has 246 people. That's a 600 school or 600 student difference. I mean, that's unheard of why are they playing a game well green bay west is 0-9 right now they are averaging 3.7 points a game and uh with that you know they they've had been on very lopsided games uh again they're right now like i mentioned 0-9 they finished 0-7 in conference in a tough frcc south that featured again like mantle lincoln basically is in their conference so it looks like it's a game that they schedule both squads. They want a competitive game for the last year, and they want to give their kids one last game. So that will be that. That will be at Green Bay West, in case you're wondering. I'm not sure if um, with Lincoln, what's going on from Ruby Field, or if they're just going to Green Bay West. And, and again, it looks like they're going to Green Bay West. So there you go. So there's an exhibition game. It's not an exhibition game. It's a. It, it, they. I think they just 
add it on as a regular season game. I mean, that's how schools usually do it in the past. So I'd imagine that's how it's going to look. So one more game there for the Ron Colley Jets there. Kettle Moraine Lutheran will travel to Two Rivers to face the Raiders. And you might be wondering what seed Two Rivers got. So again, the committee and the playoffs, they look at strength of schedule. And the EWC, unfortunately, did not play well in non-con games. So that was factored in. And the fact that Two Rivers played some not-so-great opponents in their non-con games, that was also factored in. So Two Rivers, although they go undefeated, they get the three seed. In D4, they are going to be facing Kettle Moraine Lutheran there at Two Rivers, and they play the winner of KLC. So we'll talk about that game against Kiwaska, the two seed. So, again, I like Two Rivers in this game. The odds of them getting upsetted, I think, upset are unlikely. I think Two Rivers wins this one. However, if Kiwaskum beats KLC and they play that game, that will be a tough one at Kiwaskum for level two for Two Rivers. Again, I don't want to look so far ahead in it right now. I just want to focus on the games next week. But we touched on it, KLC facing Kiwaskum. Again, Kiwaskum is a great opponent. So Kiwaskum, they go 8-1, and one, and they win the East Central Conference that features the Sheboygan Fells Falcons. So they win that conference, and they put up some great numbers this year. They're 8-1. and one. Again, I mentioned they averaged 27 a game. It's going to be a great – it's going to be a tough test for KLC. So keep that in mind. Berlin gets the eighth seed in Division 5. They face number one seed Southern Door. You want to hear how good Southern Door is? Yeah, um, they are very good. They go, they're go. they 9-0 right now. They're averaging 32 a game. They win the Packerland Conference as well. And they've only, they only allowed 26 points in their conference games. So that tells you how good they are. I mean, I don't know what doesn't. So that's going to be a tough test for the Brilliant Lions. So keep that in mind. We got some more games. We have Chilton. So Chilton has to travel to Clintonville is what I'm seeing here. I just want to verify what seed we saw Chilton get in this. And it looks like Chilton is going to be in Division 5. And they, in fact, got the 5 seed. So even though they have that dominant, you know, rec- conference you know they have the dominant conference stretch they play two rivers tough they get the five seed they i'm i'm sure they're fighting for that home game right because you always you know if you're the five you want to fight for that four obviously you get that home game and but they're traveling to clintonville so let me explain that game for you here chilton and clintonville we know about chilton let, let me tell you about clintonville so so far they're seven and three don't ask me how but they are seven and three they've played 10 games already unless there's some sort of air inputted they go four and three in a tough Northwoods conference. So that's kind of how they were able to get there, even going four and three, considering schools like Crandon, Krivitz, and Coleman. We know Coleman being a dominant football school. So that's kind of how that ended up being the case. But I think Chilton could get the upset here. Five and four upset, really. But yeah, it's, it's still an upset, you know. But I, I like Chilton there in that game. I think that that's one we're rooting for. Of course, the EWC teams. We always root for how they perform. Last one here is Keel and Wittenberg Burnhamwood. This is the school, um, yeah, that I believe the brilliant play last year in the playoffs. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, them and while we got Fremont, our schools, you know, that similar names. So, not sure. I believe it was Wittenberg Burnhamwood though. And that school eight and one is how they performed so far, and they are six and one. They. Them and Stratford were the two conference or the two conference champs. Um, 
co-conference maybe. I don't know who won the head-to-head. So looks like Stratford did. So they really finished set, second in the conference, but with the same record as the conference winners. But they have themselves a a guy who ran for 1,500 yards and a guy who passed for over 1,000 yards. So averaging 33 points a game will get you guys with that sort of output. So will be a tough game, again, for Keel, but interest, in, intrigued to see, to see how they perform in this game. That's kind of your football playoff preview. Again, Keel getting the six. That's a six and three game. Winner will play Sturgeon Bay or Kiwani. Then Southern Norm Brilliant. The winner of that game will play either Chilton or Clintonville. So the EWC teams staying close, you know, in terms of the brackets. So again, there's always potential. We could see potential. We could see some EWC foes match up. Not sure if this is the year that will happen, though, but want to throw that possibility out there. But that will wrap up the football talk here. And we'll, we'll have our level one recap next week and level two preview again. So, again, I want to thank WSN with sports.net for all this information. That's where I'm getting all this stuff from, of course. And their link is in the description of the episode. Again, thank you to WSN. That was a lot. And let's go. Let's go talk about the Packers. I want to keep this brief because, yuck, it was not a good game for Green Bay. It was actually an embarrassing game for Green Bay, quite frankly. You know, playing the Jets at Lambeau. I mean, this was the game they were featured as eight-point favorites as much as. Look, they just, the offense did not look good. I mean, you might look at the numbers and be like, okay, well, I figured this would be more than a 17-point or less than a 17-point game based on the numbers. Green Bay and the Jets tie in total yards. Each team has 278. However, Green Bay has one turnover to the Jets, zero. Green Bay wins the time of possession, and they have more first downs, yet they lose by 17. So it's like, yuck, how does that happen? Well, let's go through the the game recap kind of thing here. Scoring plays. So game starts off, just field goal out. Um, Jets get a field goal by Greg Zerline. Crosby answers for Whit back with a 29-yarder. 3-3, end of one. And then we had a Braxton Berrios 20-yard run. There's a quick drive there. Four plays, 74 yards for them out of, you know, in the second half that was. So it's 3-3 three, three, three at half. And then it was, yeah, it, what happens is it's 10-3. to three, And then, of course, the Green Bay Packers special teams. A 20-yard return of a blocked punt for Will Parks. That gives them a special team touchdown. It's 17-3. to three, And it's like, okay, well, it really should be 10-3. to three. Then Lazard gets a touchdown pass from Rodgers, 17-10. And then the fourth quarter, I'm shaking my head. I mean, they just, Brees Hall got the ball. Brees Hall went loose. 34-yard run, touchdown there for him, 24-10. And then Griggs are on tax on a field goal there, 27-10 with 234 left. And really, the story was the Packers offense did not perform well. I mean, I didn't like, it's the usage, I think. I think how the players are being used. Again, I don't want to put it all on Matt LaFleur, but I mean, Rodgers, 26 of 41, certainly not his best game. It was an okay game for Rodgers, but they've been able to win okay games from Rodgers in the past. And um, you just, it will, Aaron Jones' usage, I mean, I'm just going to throw that out right now. It's been terrible this year. Aaron Jones, nine carries, 19 yards. He's not getting used in the offense as he should. And then you might be like, okay, well, if he's only getting nine carries, he's got to get like seven targets a game, right? Nope. Four targets for him, three receptions for 25 yards. 
Dylan's getting more targets than him and more carries, which as an AJ Dillon dynasty holder, I'm fine with, but <laughs> this is about winning football games. And I don't think at least this season, if you have Aaron Jones, not using him as much as a pass catcher as you did, let's say last year against even the 49ers in that playoff game or in the regular season in general, Aaron Jones usage has been terrible. It's not on Jones. It's it's, he just hasn't gotten the ball. I mean, it's as simple as that. Robert Tunyon got 12 targets in the game yesterday, which, you know, Tunyon had his best game of the year. Tunyon again, is that, that threat who down low or red zone. I like Tunyon in this offense, but I like Tunyon Lazard. Those two guys, Dobbs got nine targets. I, I'm not a fan of how Dobbs is getting used, which might be unpopular, but I don't like the target share he's getting this offense. Um, I, I see the talent. I certainly see like the potential, I should say. I just think it needs some more work before you know he gets utilized in a lot of a lot of the plays that they're utilizing him in. I do prefer, of course, Lazard just based on experience, maybe not from a talent perspective. But I certainly do enjoy Aaron Jones more on the passing game from a talent perspective than any other receiver on this squad. Cobbin exiting with an injury, of course, hurt this squad as well. But otherwise, you know, it's not like this Jets team played this awesome game of football. It really isn't. I mean, they ran the ball. Uh, Hall, 20-116, 5.8 attempt. Michael Carter, 6 for 41, then 6.8 attempt. It, it was really, you know, I mean, Zach Wilson was a game manager. He was, you know, 10 for 18, he just managed the clock. I mean, this is something we've seen the Patriots and Giants have had success with so far this year, and Patriots, of course, in past years. He's just a game manager. I'd go with Jimmy G as well. He was another one who just manages the game very effectively, and that's what Wilson did. Wilson didn't play well, you know, I'd say from a talent or for from a stat standpoint even, but got the job done. And the Jets, again, receiving-wise, you know, no targets. Yeah, no targets. Targets for Elijah Moore in this game. And it was like they only had 17 total targets. They didn't pass the ball a lot compared to the 44 total targets for Green Bay. Then we also had a lost fumble there. I believe it was A.J. Dillon, but they give Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers the fumble on here. Um, and then that was kind of that was kind of it there defensively. Four sacks for the Jets defense was the story. I'll throw that one in there. Quinn Williams had a great game. Otherwise, two sacks for the Packers. It was Kingsley Nagbear, who we love as Packer fans. And then Rashawn Gary, of course, getting in the mix as well. Otherwise, I don't know. I mean, this game was frustrating. It really was. You know, you had two gimmies back-to-back weeks against the Giants and Jets. You lose them both. You get the Commanders next week. I'm just not going to open my mouth about a prediction. You'll hear me on Jerry Millions say, Oh, the Packers have got to be, you know, one to two score favorites in this game. And can't, I don't know if I can say that anymore. Like, because right now, three and three starts. This is, I was thinking a five and one start. You ask me, I was thinking uh, you could lose four games. You lose that first one against Minnesota. You lose one against Buffalo. And then there's like pick two, you know, you have two just oh, oh no weeks. You lose some games. So far, those two oh no weeks lose some games. They already happened. They happened these past two weeks here, weeks five and six. So where were my were those weeks? So unfortunate there. Again, they play the commanders, so keep that in mind. But let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks here before we wrap up. So the story, right? I talked about it. Eric Nem of the Athletic. Again, his 
His article is down below. Go check out his work. He does a great job being the Bucks beat reporter for the Athletic. Got Eric Nem reports on right Pat Connaughton being out for the first three weeks or so from the start of the season. And we also know that Chris Milton's going to be out to start the year. So the story is who is going to be a part of that. And, you know, the question is that, and I think it's going to be players going to have to step up, step up because again, Middleton, Connaughton are out. It's going to be Javon Carter, Grayson Allen are the top two who I think are going to be the guys. And even Nem in this article highlights about, um, the, the five guys who he thinks in kind of the starting role right now, it'll be interesting. Javon Carter. I, I do think personally though, my opinion, he will be the guy who steps up in that starting role kind of with Grayson Allen, just being a tough guy at the maybe shooting guard or for, small forward role, play some great defense. I just, I don't see the likelihood of Bobby Porter starting. I think you need a leader off the bench unit. And I think he's your leader. Intrigued also, so to see them with Wesley Matthews to see what's going on with him. You know, I think we'll see him, of course, work in the rotation as well. Serge Ibaka will be a guy. And also, if you've noticed, Jordan Nora um, got re-signed recently. It was like they waited a lot and it didn't seem like it didn't seem like they were waiting to see on content status, basically. And they end up getting Nora back. Not sure about him defensively, but maybe, you know, we can see some improvement from him this year. Then also Sandro Mamakelsvili is a guy, you know, year two, you're looking for more out of him. So that will be something to look, keep in mind at. But otherwise, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the young, some of the young players, including Marjan Bochamp, see if how he will work into the rotation. I'm just going to assume we're going to see like the Mamakelsvili role last year. We'll see him coming in blowouts or certain instances like that, but. Eric Nem also points out Joe Ingles being out till January. So I wanted to throw that one out there as well. And then the last thing that Eric Nem highlighted that I was like, we got to talk about. So again, his article down below, but it was regarding, it sounds like content. If he misses three weeks um, that starting November 7th, there's a three game road trip in Atlanta. And um, basically, Eric Nem's predicting we'll see roughly the first nine games missed by Connaughton. Could be more, could be less, but a nine-game estimate being, of course, like an eighth of the year, a little under that. But that's kind of what Eric Nem highlighted. Again, thank you to his article. His link is down below to that article I am mentioning. But let's go back. Let's talk more about the Bucks prediction stuff here. So the depth chart I mentioned, we're going to see probably opening night, my starting prediction is Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, and then it's going to be not Middleton, not Connaughton. It's either going to be Wesley Matthews or Javon Carter, I think. And that's you're going to see Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez. That'll be your starting five there for the opening night. And you might be wondering, when is opening night? It's this week. I mentioned it Thursday, 6.30 at Philly. TNT, go check it out. National television. I'll be watching. Excited. So... We'll be checking that out as well. And then the Houston Rockets, they play on Saturday, the 22nd, and that is at home. 7 p.m. is that game. And you might be wondering, what's my prediction for this week? Um, what do you think? And I'm a little worried about the squad opening night. They finished 0-5 in the preseason, which who cares about preseason? But, you know, this first game against Philly, I'm not liking for them. Uh, at Philly, especially, you know, they're going to come hungry. 
James Harden looks has looked great. So I'll say they lose that one, but they beat Houston. They go one and one in week one for the prediction challenge. So there you go. That is what I got for the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you're wondering for my full regular season prediction, I got them winning around 50 games. It's pretty standard. It's like I got them like 52 games. It's probably my prediction around there, 52 and like 30. Um, I, I think we're going to see a great year from the Bucks. I, I do predict we're going to see them uh, in the seeds range from one to, one to four. I don't I don't think they might not play out for that one seed. So that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at with the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a big year. It's championship or bust as, as, as it should be. I mean, they have experienced players who have won games, who have won those big games. So that's where I'm at with that. But Otherwise, that will wrap it up here for a long episode 84 here. 45 minutes is going to be it, so long one again. But thank you all for listening here to another episode of Drew's Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you. See you all tonight here for a fantasy basketball draft with fans and then Drew's basketball crew. All right, have a good rest of your day, everyone.